How many of you expecting a deeper walk with Jesus in the conclusion of the year 2020, these 12 months ahead? Anybody ready to go for it? I'm ready to go for it. Come on, there's more. Let's just let's celebrate that in. Let's declare it today in Jesus' name. There is more for us to experience with the Lord our God. I've been out these past few weeks just taking some time uh, Tracy and I are trying to turn some things off and just really listen and uh, pray and study and read without necessarily trying to prepare to preach or speak. And uh, it's been very, very rich to say the least. I'm full of anticipation with what God is doing in preparation for this year. Um, I want to encourage you a few ground rules for the year that, as Tracy mentioned, it's not just a new year, it's a new decade. And so let's set some things in motion, not just ground rules for the year, but uh, a culture that will be established beyond the year. And how about we agree that this year, 100% of the time, we are always going to give God's Word home field advantage, not our problems. You, You understand the difference. When we come into church, this should be home field advantage for God's Word. And if we come in focused on how we're feeling or what we're dealing with more than the power of God's Word, then we're giving our problems home field advantage. So when I'm declaring that this is a year of God causing us to flourish, and we all say, amen, we are giving God's Word and declaration home field advantage. And so I want to encourage you in that. As, uh, as anybody, you know, I know this last week, A.T. spoke last Sunday, Chris spoke the previous Sunday. I was thinking about Tracy had spoken a few weeks before that. Um, And anytime anybody stands on this platform and declares God's Word, how about we all just agree, we're going to give God's Word home field advantage in the atmosphere of this room, in the atmosphere of our hearts, in the atmosphere of our homes, in the atmosphere of our lives. Amen, amen. And there are going to be some... uh, some interesting things transpiring in the course of 2020. I'm going to share some of those things next week with you congregationally as a family as we begin to pray into some of that. Um, But just be advised that the month of February is really going to be a month of fasting and praying. We're going to focus in on what the Daniel fast is. The last Sunday of February is going to be a worship, prayer, and prophetic night. And so we want to take 21 days prior to that just to really uh, focus in on a time of fasting and praying. You do understand the Bible says that some things don't happen spiritually unless you fast and pray. That means there's some breakthroughs in your lives that are locked up until you really press in. And Jesus paid it all, but we have a responsibility in the midst of that. So we're going to learn more about that as we journey into that in February. In March, Steve Upple is going to be back with us from England. In the fall, Paul Benger is going to be with us uh, from England. Both of those guys are carrying something very uniquely, strategically specific for us in the next season of the church. And again, I'll talk a little more about that next week, but I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Amen. You may ever go to a restaurant and you have a wobbly table. Man, if there's one thing I hate. I get the sugar packets and I start raising up. The, anybody else do that? I, I, that thing's got to be stable or, or I got to go somewhere else. I got to sit at a different table. But we're good here. We're good. So my question to you today as we get rolling is uh, pretty simple. On a scale of 1 to 10, evaluate yourself. Are you a loving person? In the course of these five weeks, we want to talk about what we believe to be five central ideas or five core values 
Um, things that we know that the Lord has given us as core ideas to really camp around as a church family. And so we want to start, of course, with what it is to be loving. Not only loving, but we want to understand what it is to be outrageously loving. So on a scale of 1 to 10, are you loving? You kind of put a number there, but I want you to evaluate, and we're going to understand a little more of what that means, but I want you to evaluate not just are you loving, but are you outrageously loving? How many of you are thankful for the outrageous love of God? Come on, he sent his son Jesus to the, the, most, the single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that. That is the expression, all-time expression of God's love, sacrificially drawing us in to a relationship with him. I'm so deeply grateful, as, just as a man, just personally. And then we move that into what our other roles are. But I'm so deeply grateful. And what we believe God's asked of us as a church family is that anybody that comes in and begins to really interact with God in the context of our church family, that these five ideas would begin to mark their lives. How many you know we should be marked by God? And so this is, this is the concept. It'll pop up on the screen, and maybe we can all just say it together. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Those are the five core concepts, outrageously loving, passionately pursuing, irrationally giving, consistently submitting, and effectively discipling. So what we ask uh, in the context of our community group leaders, particularly coming into the beginning of the year, here we are in the first 40 days of the year, our community group leaders have come and set up the tables in the lobby. When you came through, you saw all the various groups represented. And I just want to say hats off to our community group leaders, and, and, and let's celebrate them, but, but let me explain something first. We're not celebrating them for coming and setting up tables today. We're celebrating them because they are the pastoral force of this church family, really reaching into families, homes, and hearts in a powerful and profound way. So come on, would you just help me? Let's say thank you to all of our group leaders who have given themselves to really serving the church family in a powerful, powerful way. And over the course of these first five weeks, we're going to focus in in all groups with discussion questions centering around these very important cherished concepts uh, that will help us all become, first and foremost, more outrageously loving people. So in the overall context of Scripture, isn't it interesting that all Scripture, all the, all the law, all the prophets hang on these two things, right? Jesus gave us this with great clarity so there'd be no confusion. We read about it in Matthew 22, and it's these two sentences that actually sum up the entire uh, discourse of Scripture in its entirety. And here it is. Somebody comes to Jesus and they said, Hey, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Very important. All your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments, on these two very important things. Love God, love others as you love yourself. 
So this is the thing that I just, as I was praying and just saying, okay, Lord, what is it that you're wanting us to get? I, I don't want to just come give you a nice little presentation. We walk out and say, oh, that was sweet. I want us to encounter God today. I, I just want to have an expectation this year that every time we gather, we would actually value that he is there in the midst of our coming together as he promises in Scripture. How many of you know that if we can learn to walk in an experience of God's presence, it will transform something on the inside of our lives? It's very important that we see that and have an understanding of that. And so here it is, love God, love others. There's something going on inside each of us. And I want to speak to these complexities and these mechanisms that exist. Um, Has anyone here ever had a misunderstanding with somebody? They said something and you thought, that they were tampering with a nerve, but you misunderstood them, and when there was clarity, then all of a sudden you were good. But you weren't good for a second, and then you were good. Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Maybe this morning it happened to you. Maybe you haven't gotten back good yet this morning on the way in your tents. And so what happens is when two people get cross and they're suddenly not good, uh, there begins to be the opportunity then to either cover that tension and address it constructively, or allow that tension to grow deeper in the inner complexities and the mechanisms that exist within your soul. You have this emotional complexity, you have this spiritual complexity, you have all this, these things going on on the inside. You, you do realize a conversation that's happening that produces a reaction really is not about the conversation at all, it's about something much deeper in the history and the past of that person's life. Are we all understanding this? And so whenever this tension happens and it begins to mount and gets bigger and bigger, two people can find themselves never wanting to see that other person's face again. And whenever those two people that don't ever want to see each other's face again land in the same room with you and you see these two people entering the room, how many of you know the atmosphere of the room shifts Have you ever been around two people that just seemingly despise each other and they happen to bump into each other? And in that moment, you've heard it said, you know, it's so thick you could cut it with a knife. An atmosphere shows up. This is the thing that I want to challenge all of us to understand. There are attitudes that we carry that produce atmospheres around us that affect other people's lives. Do you understand how important it is that we allow the atmosphere of God's love to get inside our lives to produce the attitude of God's love that actually causes people around us to feel something positive and wonderful from the heart of God rather than something hateful and religious from the heart of hell? I'm talking real love. It's not our responsibility to change anybody in this world. It is our responsibility to love everybody in this world. This is just such a, such a vital part of something so fundamental and so foundational in Christianity. And what happens, we, as the body of Christ, as God's family in the earth, sometimes we start grinding an axe with our little issues, and we get angry about circumstances and situations going on around us in the world, and we're contributing to an atmosphere that produces a divisive expression rather than an expression that draws people in to the love and the life of the the power of Jesus Christ. 
My, Tracy and the girls and I encountered uh, somebody recently that was obviously, they, their beliefs were absolutely opposed to everything we believe and stand for. And in this instance, we were loving this person. We were purposing to do something, to, to minister to them, to encourage them. And, and in the conversation, the last thing I expected from them, because their, their lifestyle is such, and their decisions and their disposition overall, so contrary to everything that I believe Jesus wants us to stand for, the last thing I expected was for them to begin to praise Jesus. But when we blessed them, they said, thank you, Jesus. And, and they didn't even know we were Christians. And I was just like, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Like, I wasn't expecting that to come from you right now in this moment, but, but thank God for his love and his grace and the way his love impacts us on the inside and transforms us in powerful and wonderful ways. To love God is to devote your life to experiencing God's love. There's something deeper about your love for God than your love for God, and that's God's love for you that unlocks a love for God that you don't possess in and of yourself. I don't know if you understand. <laughs> like, how many of you really love God? Can I just see? Raise your hand if you really love God. How many of you would have said that five years ago, but it didn't mean the same thing as it does today? We're growing in our love for God. That's a gift from God in and of itself. So to devote yourself to loving God is actually to devote yourself to experiencing the love of God that then transforms everything deep within the mechanisms of your life, causing you to become gracious, kind, loving. All the fruits of the Spirit start to show up because we're being transformed in the presence of God by the love of this incredible, incredible, infinite creator, our Father, who's in heaven. The love you've embraced in Christ begins to be naturally shared sacrificially with the people around you when you're experiencing love the way God wants you to experience love. It just changes us. How many of this, what I'm saying to you, we would all agree, but how many of you know this is not a common message in the church of our generation? I don't know why. Like, the idea of just experiencing the transforming love of God that transforms me into a loving person. For some reason, we're bent on trying to force issues of morality as our primary and chief concern. God's not concerned with me trying to iron you out. God's not concerned with you trying to iron other people out. God is concerned with inviting people in to, to the presence of God that has such power that it will iron people out. Do we believe this? Is this the core belief structure of who we are as Christians? My life is not changed because I was taught moral, religious principles and rules and given the mandate and the requirement. Now walk this way. Don't do that. And you better do that because you love God now. My life isn't changed because of that. My life is changed because I was strung out on drugs. I had no hope in my life. I had no sense of any kind of a future in my life. And suddenly one morning in November of 1986, I was standing in the presence of God and I realized, my God, my God, He loves me. That changed everything. Holy Spirit, Introduce us to a greater awareness of the loving heart of a father this year, we pray. 
Introduce that, Lord, not only to us, but to the people that are around us because that love is emanating from us the way it emanated from Jesus when he walked in the earth. And the people that didn't want anything to do with religion wanted everything to do with Jesus because something so fresh and alive was coming out of him. Help us to become effective agents expressing your love because we have chosen to experience your love. And that has transformed our lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love others as you love yourself. Boy, this last year, 2019, just the understanding that God knows us completely and he loves us fully. It's just such a powerful revelation. For me, it unlocked so much. And what we have to understand is love God, love others as you love yourself. Love God comes first, and that's what unlocks the ability to love others as you love yourself. You were created with all these mechanisms to get into the presence of God and begin to be transformed into who he's designed you to be. That's why the end of our uh, Sunday messages, we always give some action point, GP2RL. What does that mean? We bring God's presence to real life. When God's presence invades your workplace, you can expect a sense of revival to begin to break out and people to begin to feel a sense of conviction about things that they used to think were good. Now they're starting to think that they're bad and they really don't understand why. Now that's effective, uh, effectively addressing the, the important issue of morality in our society. But it's done so by introducing people to the loving heart of God, not by introducing them to all of the rules that you've decided everybody ought to obey. If I was sitting down there, I would amen me right now. I would just give God's word home field advantage and God's love just to, just to invade my life and transform everything about me, helping me to understand I can love myself because God loves me, and it's God's love that actually unlocks the ability to love others as I love myself because His grace is so amazing. Amen. See, a child, think about this, a child cannot put into words what is going on inside them when they are in the house and mom and dad come into the room and they're angry and they're fighting and, and voices are raised and escalation is happening and an atmosphere exists, a child cannot put into words what's going on. How many of you experienced that growing up at some point in time as a child? Just raise your hand. My mom and dad, where are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I experienced that a lot growing up as a child. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you know, my dad wasn't a Christian, as, as you know, when I was growing up, and, and my mom was a, a sipping saint, and uh, it was interesting watching them, you know, kind of walk through this whole journey in the way that, uh, that I was being exposed to, and, and man, the tension that existed in our home sometimes, it, it, it did something, you know, sometimes I just felt like, oh man, you know, I hope they don't get a divorce. I remember going to my mom and saying, mom, please don't, don't divorce him, you know, don't get a divorce. I was begging, as a little kid, I was talking to him, whenever they'd have those humdingers of a fight. Now let's, let's just go ahead and personalize a little bit. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Married. How many of you have some humdingers from time to time? Can I just say, amen, those humdingers, right? Let, let God use those humdingers to actually refine you to become more like Jesus as you learn how to be loving, patient, and kind, even in a moment when you actually deserve and have the right to hold them to it. 
I mean, come on, let's, let's just be honest about our faith and what Christianity really is all about. It's, it's not about me ever having and demanding my way. It's about me becoming more like Christ, and that means I don't get my way. I actually defer to other people. And so, yeah, it's very important we understand that. Now, let's translate that into what happens in a child's heart when a child is in a room and a mom and dad come into the room in front of them and they are affectionate and loving and kind to each other. What's going on in the life of that child? child can't explain it, but they feel good about their world. They feel good about their future. They, they have a sense of confidence to face what's ahead. This is such an important element for us to understand because this is part of God's design for us to experience His love and have this sense of confidence and depth in our lives as a result of Him pouring something into us that we cannot get ourselves. John 15, 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. This is important. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, as the Father loved me, I love you. My command now is, as I've loved you, you love others. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So, do we all agree Jesus is God? Jesus is man, Jesus is God. He's like the, you know, bridge the gap, hang on the cross between heaven and earth to suspend and make an avenue for us to make a connection with God, the Father heart of God. And, and only that could happen through sinless man who was God, became flesh, and so on. We understand all those things. But recognize this, if Jesus is saying, as the Father loved me, and Jesus is God, what he's saying is, as God loves himself, so God loves you. How much does God love you? More than you can imagine. As God loves himself, so he loves you. And then he says, love others, how? As you love yourself. As you love yourself, so you will find yourself loving others. If you're having a lot of issues with yourself, it's because you've not stood in the true love of God, and you're going to have a hard time loving others because you've never let yourself off the hook. The more unloving a person is, it's not that they're trying to be hateful to others, it's that they are dealing with internal mechanisms that have never been unlocked to allow themselves to experience the grace of God. And 1 John 4.18 says this interesting verse, and this is what I'm driving at all with everything I've said. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Let's say that together. Perfect love casts out fear. Let's say it one more time. Perfect love casts out fear. Just before we even go on, if you, would you just join me? You need to let yourself off the hook. You fear you're going to fail God. You fear you've let him down. Would you just surrender? Maybe just lift your hands and let's just give that up to him before we even move forward one step more. Lord, we know that perfect love casts out fear. It deals with the deepest levels of insecurity that could ever exist within our souls beyond our wildest imagination. Perfect love reaches that far down. 
extracts it out of our lives, causes us to be whole and complete people, redeemed by the love and the life of Jesus. And we surrender to the perfect love of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're giving God's Word home field advantage. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to show you something that happened. <clears throat> kind of, I'm, I'm, right now, we're, we've been at 30,000 feet, and I'm coming in. I'm looking at a landing strip, and this is the landing strip we're going to land on. Uh, I was, we've had some snake experiences in our home, and it's been kind of crazy. We live on three acres and woods, and um, one night, Lexi woke us up in the middle of the night, and there was a snake in her bedroom, um, and it wasn't a pet, okay? It didn't belong there. Uh, and then there was another evening after that that I walked out on the porch. If you could show this uh, video, I found this just as I walked out the front door. Oh, yeah. Just found this guy. Right and, um, the front door. Yeah, he was, he was wanting to hi. come visit. Oh, he's now what you'll see is he kind of starts moving there. his head around, starts climbing up the wall a little bit, and then I turned off the camera. I want to tell you what happened. Did you notice he put his head up, and then he put his head down and started going this way? As soon as I turned off the camera, he put his head back up, and there was a hole in the bricks, and he slithered into that hole before I could get him. Into the wall of my house. Where I slept that night. With a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I'm shining a light in there. I'm thinking, where'd he go? <laughs> like, crazy, you know? I'm, I mean, I, I'm, at night now, I'm walking through the house because we've had a snake in there. Now this guy's in the wall. I mean, I don't know. The, do we have a whole family living in there? And I, I, you know, walking through the house at night, I'm turning on lights now, and I'm looking. And this morning, I got up early, and I walked in the, into a front area bathroom, and I, I looked in and turned on the light. I'm looking. I'm trying to pay attention. Why? Because I'm afraid. How many of you don't like snakes? How many of you don't want to be bitten by a snake? How many of you, if you were sitting on a picnic blanket on a warm sunny day, enjoying your afternoon, and a snake slithered up on the, bank, on the blanket beside you, how many of you would do quite a dance to get off that blanket and run? You would run. Get away from the snake. But if you take your infant child and introduce it to that equation and your baby is on the blanket and the snake crawls up on the blanket, how many of you know you're not going to run? You're suddenly going to possess supernatural ninja skills and I pity the slithery fool that's coming up near my baby on that blanket. You know why you changed? You love that baby and perfect love casts out fear. If you are loving others by gritting your teeth and enduring who they really are, you're starting at the end of the equation. That's not how you love people. I'm going to say it again. If you're loving people by gritting your teeth and enduring who they are, you 
putting up with them as well as you can to show them love. You've started at the end of the equation. To start at the beginning of the equation is to realize we don't have it all together. How many of you heard me say it before? We are all on a journey just trying to find our way. And when I begin to realize God is at work in me, and I submit to that in a way that invites his gracious perspective to help iron me out, suddenly I have this incredible ability to love others in a way that it casts out all fear, changes everything about my perspective and the way I see. So I want to give you a challenge today, and I want to do it two ways. In our community groups this week as we meet, we're going to have a discussion about the Good Samaritan. I want you to to read about the Good Samaritan this week. Just take time, read in your Bible, and read about the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. And I want you to think about if that, um, if the Good Samaritan came and and helped the individual. If you remember, when you're looking at the story, what you'll find, and I believe that in in many ways, uh, the man that was beaten actually speaks of Jesus having come from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jesus having come from heaven to earth. And and then you see the religious leaders and the religious figures that sidestepped him and went another direction. But the Good Samaritan that people didn't expect anything moral from actually went and, and did something, you know, unique and amazing and special and loving and sacrificial. And I want you to read it thinking about that beaten man actually reflecting on who Jesus is and how you and I ministering to those in need around us actually is an expression of love to Christ. And how are we doing that? Like, not gritting our teeth, trying to accomplish a loving agenda, because that's what we do, we're the church. I mean, you know, that's just ridiculous. That's just a Pharisee who's been convinced they need to try to act nice. And I want you to know the faith and Christianity and loving Jesus has nothing to do with acting. It's when we admit, I'm not a very loving person. I tell you what, I I can have an attitude. Anybody here? Anybody here can have an attitude? Just point at somebody who can, no, don't do that. (laughs) You cut me off in traffic, and I'm going to tell you, I go from... And God just wants to deal with those things, I think, in us more than just getting us to do, you know, try and, try and behave. It's not about that. It's about transformation within our hearts and within our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would have a sense and an understanding that you're calling us to submit to the love and the life of Christ. I pray this week, Lord, in um, putting your presence into action, into real life, we would find an opportunity to be the good Samaritan to somebody in need this week. And we would do it from the heart, not from a religiously devoted head, but from a truly submitted heart. Ah, when we submit our hearts to God, our lives begin to be transformed. This is the beginning. This is salvation. This is when we say, I don't understand it all, But I do have a sense that God loves me. And I do have a sense that God's drawing me into the deeper purposes that he has planned for me. And I do understand that Jesus came to die for all humanity to redeem our lives. And I accept that. I receive that into my heart to awaken something within me. Just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here and you say, 
I want to receive that into my heart. And I'm specifically saying, you're saying, I want to accept Christ as my Savior today. In this moment, I want to talk salvation, where we allow him in to begin to do a true relational work within us. If that's you, slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you before we move ahead. Anybody at all? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Can we all agree we want to let him in (laughs) in ways we've not let him in? Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all posture ourselves just to be available to the plans and the purposes of God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, let's pray this prayer. It's a salvation prayer. It's a lordship prayer. It's a prayer that perhaps is a prayer that you pray in starting a relationship with God, but it's really a prayer also. We continue to pray as we know him deeper, more intimately in this journey of life. So everybody, would you say this out loud? Say, Lord Jesus, you're the giver of life. You're the Savior of the world. And I accept you died to save me from my sins. Help me to be saved from myself. May I learn to live in your presence in such a way I'm transformed into who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name.